2: It's my pleasure to welcome you to a little piece of audio bliss. It's the BRFCS podcast. Welcome to another episode of the BRFCS podcast. In part one, we talk to Elliot Parkinson of Dasslercraft. We find out what Elliot now does for a living, and why it might be of interest to all Rovers supporters. In part two, our Canadian correspondent Bill Arthur reads an extract from a fabulous book that I started reading at Christmas, Extra Time, 50 Further Delights of Modern Football by Daniel Gray. We consider Fickle Fans. And in part three, we interview former leader of the Liberal Democrats and, of course, massive Rover supporter, Tim Farron. Please also make sure that you listen right to the end for a fantastic contribution from our friends at New York City Rovers who've managed to get a podcast endorsement from the one and only Casanova Valentine. His Twitter biography reads The King of the No Ring Deathmatch The Brooklyn Black Death The Hipster Heartthrob Casanova Valentine Listen right to the end for that amazing endorsement. And thanks so much to NYC for arranging it and for Casanova Valentine for recording it. It's my great pleasure to welcome to the BRFCS podcast now uh, Elliot Parkinson from Dasslercraft and we're going to learn a little bit more about what Dasslercraft is at the moment but first of all welcome to the BRFCS pod Elliot, how are you tonight?
3: Thanks Ian, Um, really well thank you, Um, how are you? Uh, not too bad
2: at all, thank you. Good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to finding out more about your, your business, which we'll, we'll get into shortly. So uh, you're coming to tonight from Devon. That's correct. Tell us a little bit about how you ended up in Devon, because I believe that you are, in fact, a Blackburn Rover supporter.
3: I am. I am indeed. Basically, the story is my father was born in Darwin, and he lived in Great Harwood oh, yes. for most of his early years. He actually joined the Royal Marines straight from school. So um, he was actually posted down in Devon. Yeah, I was I was born in Devon, so I'm I'm Devon-born and bred. We live down here, so.
2: So the the link to Rovers is through your father, bless him. I said there's not many naval dockyards in Darwin, are there these days? I suppose you've got to no. go where the work is, as it were.
3: That's it. But yeah, obviously we still got still got family up in Blackburn, so so we travel up when we can. Obviously, this was pre-pandemic, but
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. pretty much so. Yeah. So, um, how often do you get to see? Well, n- none of us gets to see football these days. But do you follow Rovers on TV? Uh, when did you last manage to get up to Ewood Park, for instance?
3: I'm not quite sure the last time we we, we came up. Um, we used to try and get at least a couple of games a season.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a long old, it's a long old commute up, really.
2: It certainly is. Um,
3: yeah. And and not a very nice one. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we try to get up as as much as we can. Last game. I can't even remember the last game I've seen at Ewood, actually, to be honest. It's bad, really.
2: Neither can I these days. There was something on the the Rovers' um, social media the other day that sort of said it's, it's 12 months since you were last in Ewood Park, and it it feels uh, like it's been absolutely ages, I must admit. Who, who's your yeah. favourite Rovers player, yeah. then? What, what era of Rovers players really uh, made a note in your memory?
3: Late 90s, I probably would have started supporting properly.
2: So just as we got relegated from the Premier League, then?
3: Yeah, my favourite player back then was Matty Anson, yeah, without a doubt, he was just gifted. Certainly really. was, yes,
2: yeah, certainly was.
3: After that was probably two guys, the maestro. Good choice. Um, he was, he was always good to watch. Um, I would say current squad now is the Dak man. Just simple, really. He's just quality.
2: He is indeed, and it's great, great to see him back. Hope he can get to full fitness soon. Think. Uh, him and Trav will be yeah. instrumental in what happens to the end of the season. Now I think uh, there's, we've placed Definitely. a lot of store in getting those two back. Uh, hopefully, uh yeah, they so hopefully but there. So interesting, you pick out Matt Jansen as one of your favourites. I notice he follows you on uh, social media as well.
3: He does. We actually done a couple of pairs for him. Oh ah. <laughs> Originally, we did a, a, a Matt Jansen pair for a customer. Yeah. And it got sh- it got shared around social media, and Matt. Actually, I think he, I think he uh like reshared it on his Instagram, and then I, I messaged him and say thanks for, thanks for sharing, and he, g- he gave us a follow. So um yeah, just started chatting to him from there really, and then he asked for three pairs for his family. So
2: Marvelous. it was a
3: really nice touch. It's it's it great to. Do do some for
2: him excellent well he's been a guest on the podcast so uh he, he was lovely to talk to at the time his book came out he gave us a terrific interview as uh he's one of our, our all-time legends obviously a big friend of the pod so we, we've touched on what dassler craft is about let's go into that in a bit more detail then so dassler craft is a hobby that became your job but what is it precisely that you do Elliot
3: so basically we take two things that people like, I suppose, the, the main thing being an Adidas trainer and then customising it into a theme of their choice, pretty much how it sums it up.
2: And, and how did that start then? What was, your, what was your first pair of trainers and where was the inspiration?
3: I've always had a thing for trainers, to be honest. Uh, they've always been a passion of mine. I would say I'm 90% Adidas, though. My mum always, always said I had a shoe problem growing up. <laughs> um, <laughs> during, d- during my adult years... Um, I started messing around with trainers, really. Um, nothing to the extent we're doing at the moment. And I suppose that's where it really started. To begin with, customizing trainers was just a hobby. It, in, in 2018, I was actually running my own electrical business. Okay. Um, so I'm a, sparky, I'm a Sparky by trade. It was good work, but long hours. Yeah. Um, and like a lot of jobs, it could be, could be stressful at times. So working on customizing trainers just become... That's a way to unwind at the end of the day really
2: they do say though don't they that if you can make your hobby your job then you never you never work a day for the rest of your life so that, that's exactly. kind of where you've exactly. got to now so so when you started sharing these and people like matty anson very kindly started sharing them on instagram then where did the demand come from
3: well things really started to change for me when i started posting them on social media it's mainly facebook i didn't have an instagram account or anything like that the reaction i got was phenomenal really i was i was soon being asked to do it for friends and family once that started happening they started sharing their designs that i did for them um work requests continued to grow really to the point i was struggling to get stuff done being a family man and also getting stuff done with my electrical business so i made the jump of doing it full-time uh, when the uh, actually when the pandemic hit, so basically my my electrical business started to falter. Yeah, so I just saw an opportunity really, and I took it. Good for um, you. And a lot of a lot of people thought I was mad, <laughs> giving up um, being a sparky. But the way I see it is now I'm doing something I actually enjoy. So and I'm paid to do it.
2: That's just, just just fantastic. I think, as I say, when people can turn hobbies into the job, it's. Uh, I just need to find a way that now that someone can sponsor us for these podcasts, that I never have to work another day. But we'll we'll see. Maybe, <laughs> maybe your business will grow to rival Adidas one day, and you can uh, you can remember us uh, oh, along right. the way. So, when you're um, when you're actually designing something, what comes first? Do do you see a trainer and think, oh, I could do something with that, or do you see a design and think, oh, I'd like to put that on a trainer? How does how does that work?
3: A bit of both, really. There's obviously some some trainers are more suitable for customising than others, just just by default. But when a when a new one comes out, it's it's always good to see if we can do anything with it. And then basically, I just I just come up with ideas. <laughs> it just like themes and stuff. If I'm watching TV or if I'm yeah. scrolling through Facebook and I, I see something, and I thought, oh, I can. Maybe do something with that and put it on a trainer kind of thing. But yeah, that's 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 where it goes to really. And I'm, I'm I may buy a pair of trainers and um and then customize them and then just post them online see what the reaction is. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's the way it starts usually. Um, but all, obviously, we also get um commission requests from people. Right. So so there's plenty there's plenty of avenues really where the ideas come from.
2: They make a fantastic present, I would imagine, if you 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 got a particular design or something like this. But what interested me as well when I looked on your website um, was that it's not just the big clubs, the Manchester Uniteds, the Liverpools, and all the rest of it, though there's plenty of stuff on there as well. But I noticed this week you, you've done a Leighton Orient one. So what, what, where, did, where did the inspiration for that one come from?
3: It was actually from a customer, if I remember rightly. He wanted something to... Um, a, a tribute, really, to Justin Edinburgh.
2: Ah, oh, right, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So we... Um, so we come up with a design on a, it's, uh, I think it was an Adidas Samba, and just put it online, really, just to, to show people, not really to market it.
2: Yeah.
3: And um, it just blew up. the marketing. Yeah. It, it's unbelievable. It just, it just blows up with like the smaller clubs. I don't know why. It's just like a, must be just like a community thing. And then, and then obviously, yeah, it just went from there with that, with that particular design. And then obviously we just get, we just get um, requests from all sorts all sorts of people want him, all sorts of so like uh, i think it's yesterday we done a, a pair of oxford customs so I just, saw those. random yeah. really yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. I've, I've, they, they do look um, ever so good. smart i have to say they're, they're really good has anyone from adidas ever been in touch with you
3: no they're, they're <laughs> yeah, not aware well, of what you are do after that, actually <laughs> i'm pretty sure they probably are aware because there's not just me or us who do it anymore there's there's a few others around the country. I say this touching wood. I don't think they seem to to care that much. Um,
2: I would have thought they'd be delighted to be truthful. Yeah.
3: Yeah, well, we're using their product at the end exactly. of the day, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, yeah.
2: So I'm looking at the shelves behind you, and they're they're clearly stocked with lots of uh, lots of Adidas product. I have to say, I share the same weakness as you. My, my trainer collection when I was when I was a kid was uh, was something I was I always guarded preciously, and I've got to the, the point now where <laughs> perhaps I can afford to buy them. But my physical condition and age means that they last a lot longer than they used to when I was playing football in them every night. So it's <laughs> nice.
3: Yeah,
2: I'm just looking forward to the day where we can get out of the house and actually. Stop wearing trainers again in earnest and do some proper exercise. So, what what are the plans for the future then for Craft, Elliot? What what would you, where would you like to take it?
3: I mean, we've got a few things planned. I don't really want to reveal too much at okay. the moment. Um, plans 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 for the future include stuff like I've got bespoke pairs coming up for Howard Walker, so the son of Jack. He he reached out to me on Instagram as well um, after Matt Jansen shared his his pairs yeah so that'll be pretty cool to do something for him
2: absolutely
3: other things include um some more charity work and stuff like that we do a few charity customs try and raise some money we try to do about three three a year something like that just to raise some money from good causes but we're always looking for other ways to expand the business so we will we'll be excited to share some news with everyone soon um updates are always posted on our socials so yeah so be looking out for that
2: well, do do feel free to tag us in. We'd be delighted to uh, to, to share. And as I say, I caught um, I caught your your social medias this week, and that, that's what alerted me to this. I know somebody on our forum, in fact, last year, had seen some stuff that you posted and sort of said, "Has anyone seen this kid from uh, from Devon who's doing this stuff to trainers? Is he a Rovers fan?" And that's that's what prompted me to like get in touch with you. And I was delighted to find out that you were. So it it makes the connection.
3: Rovers customs are always my favourite to <laughs> Good stuff.
2: So, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to receiving my pair in due course. I have to say, it's uh, they, they do look fantastic. So uh, fingers fingers crossed Thank for you. you. But uh, but thanks for spending the time with us. Uh, for for people that are, are interested, the website is Dassler's UK, and people that are on uh, Twitter can follow at Dassler's Craft as well. There's some uh, some excellent photos on the website. There's some really really interesting stuff. I think that's my birthdays and Christmas presents for the next possibly 20 years sorted assuming I live that long <laughs> make it through the <laughs> pandemic. But uh, thanks very much Elliot for, for taking the time. Uh good luck with the business. I hope it uh, it carries on to grow and uh, do keep still keep following the Rovers and if you've anything that you want to promote share it with us and we'll uh, we'll gladly retweet it for you from from BRFCS.
3: I will do. Thanks so much for uh, inviting me on.
2: You're very welcome sir. For financial reasons, the RFCS podcast needs a transition into a sponsorship message. This is that transition.
4: Oh well, wouldn't you know it? Once again, bumped into Tony Mowbray here at, here at Brockhall. Tony, how'd you take your brew, mate? With well, basic, really, uh, tea, quite strong, uh, two sugars, and uh, and I always drink out of my favourite mug. Oh, which uh, which one is it? Oh yeah, it's good, and it? I got it from the Middlesbrough store. Um, and uh, yeah it's uh, from yeah oh no 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 Tony not the middle the the Rovers one oh this one right yeah you can get them personalized at, um at the terrace store uh, and of course and as uh, manager of Rovers I've got you can get them personalized with all of the different players of your choice oh which you know which 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 players would you have then well you, you obviously you've got your Lenahan's your Dax and you know, Danny Grahams, you know, proper, proper professional footballers. But obviously I've chosen my favourite, Elliot Bennett. Oh, of, of course. Well, Joe Rothwell's one of my favourite players. Any plans to get a mug for him? He'll just have to wait his turn, I think. Yeah. But, you know, if you want to get one of these, get your hands on one. You just have to go to the, uh, go to the Terrace store and enter BRFCS at checkout. Oh, well, that's, that's brilliant then. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, it's fine. But remember... Only Tony drinks out of the Elliot Bennett mug. You'll have to get yourselves one with, I don't know, Ben Brereton on it. Oh, okay then. Hello there. You're listening to the BRFCS podcast. And this bit is simply a mechanism to assist the editing together of two different parts.
2: Sorry to let daylight in upon magic, but there it is.
5: As football supporters, we have certain entitlements. Our unwritten constitution includes the right to love a player cursed and abused when previously turning out for another team. Also embodied are the right to call our club we and us, without any ownership responsibility or financial input, and the right to consider a seat or terrace spot and land belonging to someone else our property. We have the right to inflict our chosen team upon all who love us so that, eventually worn down they begin to care too we have the right to rudely check the score on our phones when it's a social engagement and to watch football over a friend's heads when sitting in a pub and we have the right to be wildly outrageously fickle we are untroubled by our duplicity and consider a certain change in mood or opinion perfectly reasonable It is possible to be fickle over various time periods and about anything we wish. We may show our fitful ways in the course of a match. A goal down and all is gloom, woe, hopeless tactics and dreadful team selection. We may boo off the team at half-time. Later, 2-1 up, never did we doubt this blessed team and their powers of resurrection, at the end we hail them from the pitch like so many Caesars in studs, or we are fickle over the course of a season, festooning our new squad plaudits through autumn, when surely they are a revolutionary force about to sweep all before them, and broadcasting their pitiful shortfalls by spring. We may be fickle about players, abandoning new signings as wasters and imposters, then by Christmas singing carols to them, saviors and prodigies all. Sometimes there is abrasive honesty in fans' lyrics. I have heard two or three different crowds belt out a player chant which includes the couplet, He used to be shite, but now he's all right. Managers probably suffer the slings and arrows of our flighty traits most. They are given approximately 18 minutes of their first match in charge to have turned our relegation zone clodhoppers into a blend of 1970 Brazil and 1974 Holland. Failing to do so, they are denounced as unfit for the job, out of their depth, bungling, no better qualified than us. Results are hit and miss. The manager talks of work in progress, we wonder if life under the old boss wasn't so bad after all, and allege that other stronger clubs would have acted by now. Then comes an unbeaten run, including three victories swagged on the bounds. The team rises through the table like a cat on a ladder, and now we sing of this manager's red and white army. As we said all along, he just needed time. We are fickle beasts, and yet ravenously besotted and slavishly loyal. Perhaps we are just questioning our faith, as all devoted people must, and testing our deepest beliefs. Reserving the privilege to change our minds and rewrite history is sacrosanct. Long live the hypocrites of the terraces. The
1: BRSPS Podcast Definitely the best footballing podcast there is, no question. Right, can I have my car keys back
2: now? My special guest on this episode was born in Preston on the 27th of May 1970. He was educated at Lostock Hall High School and Runshaw College, Leyland, before going on to Newcastle University, where he gained a BA in politics in 1992. He also played keyboards in a band called the Voyeurs, which became Fred the Girl, and he once told a magazine that they were offered a recording session with Island Records, despite being allegedly a fourth rate New Order. And that's a description that came from a former band member. Well, at least according to Wikipedia, it did, which I've shamelessly plagiarised for this introduction. Welcome to the BRFCS podcast, the former leader of the Liberal Democrats, the MP for Westmorland and Lonsdale, and crucially for this podcast, a massive Rovers fan. Tim Farren, welcome.
0: I was the, I was the singer. The oh,
2: right. we need to uh, we need to edit your uh, your Wikipedia entry then. In that case,
0: the island bits, right? Right.
2: <laughs> How serious was the music back in the day then?
0: Do you know, it was actually it started really the summer we'd done our O levels, between going off to sixth form, and there was about five who a really good mate, and uh, three of us formed a band, and the other two sort of came along with us. It was just a a fun thing to do. Yeah. Um we're a bunch of mates. And we kind of over the next or three or four years took it relatively seriously, but we were only really a studio band. We barely ever played live or anything like that. Um, if ever, I'm trying to remember now. Um, but it was just great fun, you know. It's a bit less pathetic than writing Adrian Mole poetry, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, I must admit, I wish I'd have the musical talents. know yeah, I, I own a guitar. Well, I, I, I
0: didn't, but I had a couple of mates <laughs> who did. It didn't
2: get in the way of pursuing it, you yeah, know, all good stuff. So <laughs> no, you, quite... um, you read politics at Newcastle then, so to what extent was that driving y- your career, or to what extent did that influence what became your
0: career? It's a good question, really. I, I, honestly, I think... Um, two things even though i was you know a super duper enthusiastic zealous sort of um 16 year old when i joined the liberals even then i knew it wasn't a fast track to a career and i didn't expect you know um to uh, end up doing as a job the other thing to remember is of course a lot fewer people went to university then and uh, there weren't fees you got a grant and so the 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 sense of compulsion that you had to go and do something at university that would lead to a career was much less. Just getting a degree at a half decent yeah. university was enough, and so I just did something I was interested in um, that wouldn't um, that I wouldn't find a chore. Um, and so, so it was. So no, I don't think I don't think I did politics at university because I thought that's a, tra- a path to an MP. I thought that's a way of me going to university and not hating it. If, you, if you're reading that sort of stuff anyway, and you're interested in politics half the job you would have to do if you were doing another, another subject is done for you. You don't yeah. have to spend all that time in the library. Yeah, yeah, you're reading the journals. So basically, yeah. it was a calculated sky, Ian.
2: <laughs> <laughs> in your first general election, in back in 1992, you stood in North West Durham against one Theresa May. What do you, what do you recall yeah. from that first campaign, and what lasting impressions did uh, Ms May leave upon you?
0: Well, it's funny. I mean, obviously... Um, uh, I mean, North Durham went Tory at the last election, which tells you how much things have changed. But it was a very solid, safe Labour seat with a an MP called Hillary Armstrong, you might remember. Yeah. Her father had been a Callahan minister um, and was, uh, had been, you know, passed on to his daughter almost. Um, but she was a very good MP. And she was also, she ended up being Tony Blair's chief whip uh, for the whole of his 10 years as prime minister. So she was quite a big cheese. And I got a call um, at my... Um, just like, you know... my. My mates at school at sixth Form were not even remotely political yeah. um, and most certainly of the mates that I lived with at university weren 't either, um which is a really good thing for my sort of sanity and everything and um, and so one of my mates uh, in the student house in Newcastle picked up the phone one afternoon um and we were in doing whatever. And it was somebody, some woman from the um, the northwest, northeast region, Lib Dems, who I knew called Francis, saying that they thought there was going to be an election in the autumn of ninety one, and they were desperate for candidates. And since I was president of the students' union, you know, um, would I would did I want to be an M- did I want to? She said, I don't want to be an MP? Do I want to stand?" <laughs> she gave me a couple of hopeless seats. Northwest Durham was one of them, right. and so, but because John Major didn't hold the election as early as we, he was going to, I ended up being candidate not for or three months but for the best part of a year right. um and so i went there quite often um theresa may was a 30 something uh banker from london so she seemed really old to me at the time but now obviously it, i don't think that and she was a bit posh but basically quite polite i quite liked her there you go
2: there is a, a fantastic photo i think of the, the three of you uh you, you look very yes. sort of like punky if i may say so as if you're still playing, well, I in think the band.
0: There's, there's me, me and um, Theresa May both look like we've got Rick Astley's head <laughs> um, at about the same time. We look terribly serious. It's
2: good stuff. Good stuff. So, for a lad growing up in Preston and going to school in Preston, uh, the obvious question I've got to ask you is is, is how did Blackburn Rovers become the, the love yeah. of your
0: life? It's a good question indeed. I mean, so, I mean, I. to. Muddy it a little bit, um, although Preston was town for us. Um, my family saw sort of lived, sort of lost to call Waltonley Dale Way. Right. Um, well, yeah, almost all the sort of Bamber Bridge. Yeah. Yeah, Bamber Bridge very much is Hinterland. Um, but, you know, my dad's side of the family were North Enders, um, but they didn't go to any games. And my mum's side of the family were from Darwin, and right. they did. And it's as right. simple as that. Um, and so I had two, I still do have two, um uh, older cousins um who live in darwin um and uh, they are um you know simon and michael and they were what 12 14 years older than me um and so they were glamorous and they went to games we spent most boxing days at theirs and if rovers were home then they would come home full of you know buzzing yeah. um and i wanted a piece of that really and the kit was ace i loved the kit and uh, and Howard, i think howard kendall was manager when i really became you know this this is definitely my team yeah and my mum had had him as a pin-up when um she was a teenager so all these things but but basically it was it was the fact that the half of the family that were Ober's fans were active proper fans who went to games yeah and the half that were preston fans bless them didn't so was it was it your cousin cousins that took you to the first game yeah, so I was I was probably about like 14 before I eventually went. I mean, we're talking about the 80s. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of hooliganism at, at Rovers, but nevertheless, you know, my mum's idea of what a football game was like was a little bit kind of coloured by, um, you know, some of the stuff that was going on at the time. And in fact, actually, the second game I went to uh, was Rovers against Man City in about 84 or something like that in the second division. And that was proper hairy. That was hairy. The... Uh, city fans broke out of the darwin end and there was bother um and me and my grandpa my grandpa came with me the second time because i was i was so fixated i wanted to go again the next week next yeah. home game yeah. but mum said don't go go bothering your auntie and, and your cousins <laughs> don't go bother every single you know um so i nagged, I nagged my grandpa instead and um so I, we and him went and the upside so we got beaten one nil there was hooliganism it was proper scary on the upside um about a week later. A, a lad at school who got Match Magazine which was kind of like you know yeah, yeah, yeah. a pound stop version of, mat, of uh, Shoot, of, of shoot yeah. um, uh, said look at this you're in and I, and I was I was facing the crowd uh, and and I won a I won a fiver uh, oh, so fantastic. there you go so, <laughs>
2: what, what did you spend the fiver on then just waste it on loose women instead of fast cars or...
0: um, yeah I couldn't find any women who would take the money really but uh, I'm trying to think what I would have spent the fiver on in those days um probably match magazine. Yeah.
2: I don't know. Yeah, unbelievable. What's what's the what's your earliest rovers memory then? Was that, that 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 city game? But what how far back can you remember first becoming aware of them?
0: I remember the first game I went to was Blackman against Oxford, yeah. um and it was a one-all draw and John Aldridge scored for them. Yeah. And then we uh, I think Garner equalised, but I can't remember exactly. But it was a one-all draw um, I think the... But, you know, I was following Rovers quite avidly for years before that. I remember in particular, I think it was... I think it was the eighty eighty one 81 season, so other people tell me. It's was, it was the season when Kendall nearly took us up. Yeah. And we missed out on yeah, Swansea yeah. on goal difference or yeah. a point or something. Bristol
2: Rovers on the last day, yeah.
0: That's right. And I, that was pretty, um, I was pretty gutting. But I also remember us getting promoted from the third division a couple of years earlier than that. And again, that was Cat Howard Kendall... And, and it being a big deal, I think those days, Radio Lancashire, which may still have been called Radio Blackburn then, you know, Morecambe and Fleetwood and all that, they weren't in the league or anywhere yeah. near it. Um, and so they, the time they had to spend on, you know, Blackpool, Burnley, Preston and Rovers was quite immense. You know, you had four teams and they covered them all incredibly well. Um, and uh, and and so I, I would be, you know, most Saturday afternoons, I'd be glued to... Radio Lancashire or it was Radio Blackburn and during the week. So yeah, so I think the first time I remember feeling you know seriously moved and emotionally invested was the season Kendall nearly took us into the first division.
2: Yeah, there there were happy times though. As I was lucky enough to uh, to see Gordon Lee take us up but I think that that Howard Kendall season is is probably my favorite one because I was just just starting to be taken to away games. And uh, friends were learning to drive and things like that. So you you you're packed up and somebody borrowed the mum's car and you go off in this sharabang for the day and it's just a fabulous, fabulous season. It it really is one of my uh, one of my happiest times as well. Who's your who's your favourite player that you've seen wearing the uh, the blue and white halves?
0: I mean left field. Well, well, left field more ways than one. I'm going say <laughs> Damien Duff. Yeah. Um, um. But, I mean, there's loads of other players. I could pick, yeah, I could pick Simon Garner. Who I absolutely loved. Um and obviously Colin Hendry, you know, I'm 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 over Shearer leaving us now. I am. Just, and so we'll say Shearer. Oh yeah, just about. Um and, and plenty of other super uh you know players, two guys outstanding, matt Jansen. Um but I'll pick Duff just because so um my mate David, who was in the band, <laughs> um he went he was in the army, came back from the army, decided he's gonna retrain as a teacher, and so he went back to Runshaw to take an extra A level. Yeah. And he was in the same, and uh, they would send a lot of the lads, well, they'd send the lads to they'd give him a proper education. And he did business studies with Damien Duff. <laughs> oh, right. um, And so Damien Duff would be like 17, 16, 17, and David would be 26, something like that, whenever he got out of the army. But I think he was really, because in those days, I would go to a lot of reserve games. Yeah. Um, we played at Deepdale. Um, and then actually we played up in the old, the old Morecambe ground. Um, and uh, I'd often go to to the midweek reserve game and and so you got a sense of see- I, I got a sense of seeing Duff's career from start to almost finish it, possibly the most talented ball player I've ever seen it, he really did look like he had the ball glued to his foot, you know, just a decent lad and um yeah i mean just just really 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 talented and there is something special about seeing one of your own come from Very much through so. the academy yeah, yeah. and then become. A great, you know, he help us to get promoted in in uh, 2001, win the League Cup in 2002, and just you know, be a really important part of that side for several years. It's a real tragedy that we ended up losing him.
2: Yeah, I don't think he was that keen to go. To be truthful, I think uh, Chelsea obviously yeah. offered offered us what was even then an yeah. obscene amount of money. Uh, but my it was understanding was he sold him, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, I think it was. Um, he was settled in the Ribble Valley, and
0: yeah, that was the moment I kind of thought, hmm. Maybe it's time for Sooners to go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, he confirmed it later but did, on, didn't I mean, he? I,
0: but he did, do a, he did a cracking job for us Sooners. Um, yeah. But we probably, we probably got a good deal when he went.
2: Yeah, I think that the timing was spot on. When he came, it just needed that discipline. It needed somebody to shake the club up, and he brought all of that sort of good stuff. And he seemed to get the best out of the youngsters as well. And just watching him as a pundit now, you can see why. Uh, there's something about the, st- <laughs> the fear of God he induces in people. So sort of the steely <laughs> look, he's you wouldn't want to cross him. Is uh, is certainly, certainly one of the, the most successful Rovers managers. Obviously, Kenny accepted and all the rest of it. So yeah. how, how easy yeah. is it for you to, to keep up with games, being a busy politician? And obviously, lockdown doesn't help either. How, how are you managing to keep abreast of what's going on?
0: Well, I mean, in, in many ways, uh, the current situation... It's all, we're all following it virtually um, and, and I'm enjoying it. I think we're having a really weird season. Yeah, I think yeah. we're it's, frust- it's frustrating because I think we've got some great talent and I'm always terrified when you've got great players but you're not at the moment a great team. Do you keep those great players? You know, I am I live yeah. in, you know, constant, you know, terror of Armstrong and Dak yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. others, you know, leaving us. But I think we've got We've got a nucleus of a, a side that should be bidding for promotion. You know, we've thrown away a load of silly points this season. But I remain, you know, somebody who thinks Mowbray's done a great job for us. I can't see who we're going to get who's better, let's be blunt. And um, so I'm enjoying following them. But obviously, I've not been to a game for, you know, probably just over a year now. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm you know, it, it, being busy. I just, my Saturdays are always busy. I'm away usually on a, on for the week the, the, uh, the week, the midweek matches um and so you know i i get to a handful of games a season you know three or four and um, and normally i squeeze a couple of them in. normally one at the beginning a couple over christmas and usually the the last home game after the local elections <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that's usually what i manage to do good um, reasons
2: to be on in your constituency i guess yeah
0: yeah and that's the problem is i mean so my week uh, my saturday i will try to not you know i don't try and work into the evening on a saturday but i'm generally speaking i'll try and Paul Stumps in time to be home for final score. Yeah, um, I do occasionally, and we'll try and do this more. You know, uh, go and watch Kendall Town um, yeah. Yeah. in uh, in the um, in the Beaver Stick, and they're you know they're, a, a, they're doing better this season. Although it's, who knows whether we'll finish it now. But I actually went to go and see us against uh, against uh, Rovers under twenty threes against Candle um, a couple of years ago, which was which was which was good, and there. It's good to have that kind of, yeah, I know I'm a Rovers fan, but it's nice to nice to follow your local non-league side too.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I've still got a soft spot for Accrington Stanley for similar reasons. I think, uh, yeah. had, had they been around as a, as a team when I got interested in football, I probably would have been a Stanley fan rather than a Rovers fan. But I still, mm. uh, still feel as mm. if like I've got a moral <laughs> obligation to at least look up the results and occasionally <laughs> spend some money in the shop. Because yeah. I think they are are they really are role models for... For Those smaller clubs, yeah. well, role models for all clubs, frankly, yeah. in the way that they run, they're really super super yeah. organized. T- talking about ownership and all the rest of it, where, what, where do you stand on the Venkis, dare I ask?
0: Well, I'm not as angry as I was because it's <laughs> so sort of stabilized, but I mean, those first, those first few years, it was, um, I mean, the Steve Keane season in particular, and oh. you know, who's who, who. When you're like, you know, fifth from bottom or whatever, who sacks Allardyce? Just... Who thinks? I mean, I don't know all the details. I mean, you know, you go and get beaten seven-one, was it at Old Trafford? It happens. Yeah. It happens to perfectly good teams. You know, it happened to Wenger. I you know, you just that. You know, just take it on the chin and learn from it. So I thought that was appalling. I thought they made just some terrible decisions. Obviously, the season with five managers. You know, bring back a hero like Henningberg and then sack him yeah. um, after five games or whatever it was, and all the rest of it. I just thought awful but having said that in recent years of I instability mean, i think since we got relegated to the league one things have looked we've looked like a club that you know wasn't in chaos anymore mm. um and so mowbray has been crucial which is why people who have a go at him i kind of think do you remember where we were before him mm. um are you convinced that who we're going to get is going to take us on and the fact is you know maybe it's going to take a few years and it and uh, so i mean at the moment they're not doing any harm so there
2: you go. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's a fair assessment certainly. So, and uh, we we talked about it on a podcast way back when and I sort of speculated about a thought experiment that if a new owner had taken over in the summer when we were relegated down to League 1 and you judge them mm-hmm. only mm-hmm. on the actions that they've taken since that point in yeah. time i think your perspective will be will be totally different but clearly they yeah. they are responsible for uh, for taking us out of the premier league and all those ludicrous ludicrous decisions poor advice naivety yeah. call it whatever you will it's almost yeah. like you've got to sort of say pre relegation venki what on earth was going on but post relegation as you say yeah that they, they, they've kind of steadied yeah. the ship and um, and got some credibility back we're not yeah. the go-to club now i think for football journalists who are looking for a crisis which is which is nice <laughs> it's nice when we we appear <laughs> but, in, in feature I, I, articles I haven't
0: seen, uh, you know the, the, whoever it is who was making any money out of um, selling rubber chickens is having yes. a poor time now <laughs> yes. it's uh you know yeah. they were was, Fre-
2: fresh eggs are no longer wrong, available yeah. in the uh, in the Rover <laughs> store, sadly. But there we go. That's yeah. right. So let's let's take you back then to January 2018, then, and that uh, infamous uh, Celebrity Mastermind appearance. When did when did the uh, the invitation first land in your uh, in your office?
0: Oh, anyway, so I get a number of these things. I get. Um, strictly, I've had uh, things like <laughs> celebrity. I'm not. I don't think I've had Strictly, I've, I've had, <laughs> you know, celebrity dancing on ice, and uh, I've had. Oh, I don't think. I don't think I've had the jungle. Who was it? I've had a couple of these things though, and we just said no to them. Um, uh, but I said yes to Mastermind because a) it was like half a day, and yeah. b) they promised to give us yeah. a load of money to a, charity. a local charity. of ours. Yes. manor house which is a housing need charity that i'm i have been involved in for 15 20 years in my patch and so i thought yeah that's um you know it's worth doing and for what it's worth i gave them two and it came to specialist subject i gave them two options and one was prefab sprout and the other was blackburn rovers um (laughs) and and the problem is for prefab sprout there wasn't a sufficient body of of work work for them to be able to revise (laughs) Well, there's plenty of music but there's nothing not enough written about them for the to put the questions together. And then they said, oh, we'll do Blackburn Rovers. And then they said, can you be more specific? I said, what do you mean? They said, well, give us a decade. So, all right. So actually, in many ways, I do think it's a bit of a cop-out. I mean, I was very proud to have got 13 out of 13. Quite right, Most Rovers fans who were around at the time would have thought that was not that hard um, they were ba- basically Blackburn Rovers in the 90s. Well, yeah. you know, th- there was very little happening in the 90s that I wanted to uh, erase from my memory because yeah. <laughs> it was great. Absolutely. Apart from, you know, the last apart from, Yeah, yes, I was going to say, towards the um, end, it
2: tailed off. But, uh...
0: Uh, but it was, you know, it was a, a, it was a wonderful roller coaster and I was there for an awful lot of it. And um, so uh, I'm aware of the fact that, you know, I think if you do improper mastermind, I don't think I'd have got away with such a narrow field. And yeah. most proper Rovers fans would have thought, well, no big deal. Everybody knows the only. I think the one question where I had to think for a second was the one where Derek Fazakli was the answer.
2: That, I thought that was a, um, that because that was a, be- a really, really good one that to pluck, to pluck that out of the air. I thought was uh, was excellent.
0: Yeah, well, it was because it was the um, and it was because he was a coach and I didn't and I, you know, for a nanosecond, I you know, I think of Fazakli as a player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. Um, and uh, of course, but he was he was first team coach, wasn't he? Uh, ha- yeah. Harford when when Harper was manager and Tony Park was assistant manager then um faz stepped up to be first team coach so and then he went off to city or newcastle yeah one he, of the two, he followed
2: anyway. kevin keegan around for a, we, had him, we had him as a guest on the podcast a couple of episodes ago actually it oh, was great. it was a wow. terrific terrific interview uh one of my heroes yeah, foursquare in, yeah. in my era of watching rovers he was coming through as an apprentice when i started um and it, wow, he was so great. emotional when he was talking about when bill fox wandered into the boardroom and said that's it son you can go yeah, so, for I guess for him to come back as a coach um, it would would have been uh, yeah. would have been closing a particularly painful chapter at that time. So I, I've prepared question yeah, fourteen yeah. then that that I'm sure John Humphreys would yeah. have asked you on the night. Let's go for it then. Um, it right. used to it used to be uh, a question that got me got me pints in pubs amongst mates who who weren't, weren't <laughs> Rovers fans. So <laughs> I've had to I've had to modify it, and you'll see why when I ask you the question. Who holds the record for the fastest? Perfect Champions League hat trick,
0: Mike Newell. Absolutely, I was there. Spot on, <laughs> Rosenberg. Yes,
2: <laughs> yes. Well done. A dead on, rubber,
0: a on dead the- rubber, <laughs> but still,
2: <laughs> we, we take the glory where we can. Our only Champions League win yeah. on the sixth of December nineteen ninety-five. So, of course, it, it was That's the fastest nice. of all time. And then um, I think Gomi in two thousand and eleven took the record off him by a minute. But it is the fastest perfect hat trick. So left foot, right foot. Header. Ah, so, got you. there so, you are. Yeah, so he st- so he still hold he still holds the record for that. So you can you can use got that you. to win to win uh, win a drink off somebody who doesn't necessarily. There
0: you go. Yeah, happy. I think the cheerers scored the first one, and they equalise, and then he scored his hat trick.
2: Yeah, it was it was a surreal night because no, it... we've been so <laughs> so appalling throughout.
0: To, to yeah. actually, I, mean, uh... I only went to the home games. Um, yeah, yeah, I didn't. Uh... A friend of mine was working in Moscow. um He's a Spurs fan. Very good friend of mine. Um, and he went. He went to the, he went to the, the game on, on my behalf. <laughs> 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 so you know, he was turn. just. Uh, obviously, I've seen it all. But I mean, he just gave me the uh, the blow-by-blow the, the blow account of the, the Henry red card and the lasso batty punch-up. And it was like minus ten, as all these mm-hmm. Moscow fans with no top on. It was just <laughs> yeah.
2: that was the, the absolute nadir, I think, of, uh, of sort of like Rovers in Europe. It, it just it just couldn't get any better. Than that. I always remember the uh, the commentator on um, well, when it was Radio Five or Five Live back then, sort of he was talking about the pre-match, sort of saying that you know, Blackburn Rovers are preparing for what will be one of their last ever Champions League games. And I thought, oh, that's a bit previous, <laughs> but sadly it proved yeah. to be uh, all too accurate, and they they've never troubled it since. It's a tragedy because if you think
0: about it, I mean, we so we finished fourth second and first yes and today that would have been three seasons in the champions yeah. league yeah, yeah, yeah as it yeah. was got nothing in that first season yeah and our little uefa yeah you know <laughs> which we don't, mention. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we don't mention um and um you know and so if we'd got three seasons in the champions league um uh, then there's every chance that that would have meant a lot more yeah um in terms of our because there was a bit of a feeling particularly after we didn't buy anybody serious after we won the league that you know, we'd reached the yeah. pinnacle, and that was it. Um, and and that was the sad thing. Um, and it it could have been different. So um, yeah, if we'd had our moment today, we'd have, we'd have been Champions League regulars at least for a while.
2: Yeah, I think uh, the, the moment oh, Kenny well, decided well. he'd had enough, then I think the gig was up, basically. Uh, and Ray, bless him, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was that classic, well, almost the epitome of the, the coach who couldn't step up to be the manager and didn't have yeah. uh, the necessary yeah. uh, charisma. To, to manage some of those big names yeah. and bring yeah, them in, the I think more to the point. So when he's signing Matty Holmes instead of Zinedine Zidane, although
0: I mean, I, I, the the who knows how true this is, but my my wife's got you know her, her speaks pretty decent French, and in the months or weeks before Euro '96, on the Bordeaux fans' webpage, everybody was absolutely convinced that Zidane and Dugari were coming to Blackburn Rovers. Yeah um and i felt you know and i and and i know on our the brcs brfcs email group as we were in those days yeah. so there's about 300 of us there's a lot of tittle to, and i i i don't know i was you know but it this, the understanding was that zidane who was much fancied but was not a superstar yes yeah. france oh, was no, not, no, 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 not the not big that team that they are um the problem was i mean i don't know but i understand that the problem was that um zidane, uh, and Dugarry were very, very close to signing, but in the end it just got too late in the day. And then Euro Six came along. He did well, mm. <laughs> and Juventus noticed. Yeah, and yeah. So did Newcastle, wrong. sadly,
2: and took Shearer. So that was <laughs> yeah, that, <that's laughs> the problem. <laughs> yeah,
0: so you know, if 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 Zidane if had come, maybe Shearer wouldn't have left, and maybe it wouldn't have mattered so much that he left. Yeah, you know, um, Dugarry was not on the same level, but he was a good striker yeah. and. You know, so I just yes, you're right. We, uh, you know, we until Hodgson came, we really didn't start. You know, we know we Walker started spending his money again, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was, I think that that at least the first half of the you know, that first Hodgson season was some of the best football I've seen us play. Very much. so. You know, Ripley looked like you know twenty percent faster. It was, uh, and we were top at Christmas of him brightly. Beaten Arsenal, three yeah. One away.
2: Yeah, my my favourite game was, was very early in the season, where we hammered Sheffield Wednesday at home, and the goals just kept going in. You couldn't quite believe it. Yeah, you thought, "Crikey, what on yeah. earth is going on here?" We're back. Uh, this is terrific. That's and right. It sort of like faded away at the back end of the season, and then all went. It did. We, wrong. We
0: we scraped scraped sixth, Brightly and going to the for Cup. Yeah um but went down the next season of course so
2: tim uh, i don't want to detain you any longer you've got you're a busy man you've got lots and lots of things to do but just one final question then what uh what unfulfilled ambitions remain for tim farron
0: mp that's a really good question and um, the the uh i'm not gonna pl- i'm not plugging my autobiography but I, my, <laughs> my autobiography is called a Better ambition which actually without getting too heavy just says that there's, there's more to life than than political ambition and it's a really liberating thing to be sort of post ambitious. I really love being an, an MP for this area. Yeah. And um, I feel I can do an awful lot of good. There's a, um, I'm, I, do, I don't feel in any way like I'm winding down, quite the opposite. I'm, it's a, it's a great thing if you can let your ego a bit. And I say this all humbly, I hope, that I think I have. Um, and uh, so yeah, to achieve particular things, no I do don't, know I don't, I don't I don't think I need to have another job or be a minister or anything like that yeah
2: I'd
0: like I'd, I mean I'd like to have some small part in getting rid of this current government and <laughs> and keeping <laughs> and and keeping Scotland in the union yeah um so those are two crucial things to me but uh, you know all these things are temporary um and uh I feel very blessed to do what i'm what I'm doing i'm I am looking forward to a time when uh you know I can go and watch the roads a bit more though
2: yeah, uh, well, uh, oh,
0: brackets at all. Ju-
2: yeah, I was going to say just just to be able to set foot inside the ground would be good. Politics and football have a lot of parallels yeah. there. There's the there's the tribal aspect. There's the vote of no confidence, which are by, by things that feature yeah. in politics and football.
0: If you were to, I mean, I wouldn't advise you to do this, but if you were to uh, analyze my speeches down the years, particularly the the attempted motivational ones within the party, particularly when I was party president and party leader, yeah, they're, they're all all football related because everything it's a metaphor for everything. It is. Um and uh, at the end of the day. That, yes. Yes. <laughs> game of two hours, yeah. <laughs> but uh I think there's 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 always something to it and I, I but you know it is a it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful game football. I absolutely love it. for all that's wrong with the way it's organized and managed and the money and i'm a big critic of the involvement of you know uh gambling in the game particularly given that young people are so influenced by it Uh, lots to criticize but um it is a wonderful accessible game i think that's the thing about it and i love lots of other sports i love cricket and obviously i love running and what have you but there's, there's There are few sports, team sports, more accessible, if any, yeah. than the game of football. You literally do need just jumpers for goalposts.
2: Yes. On that, on that note, we, we shall end the interview. Tim, thank you so much. Uh, it's gr- lovely chatting. Uh, we could go on for hours, but I know you've got an awful lot of stuff to do, so appreciate the time. All the very best uh, in your political career. Whichever direction you want to take it. And obviously, it'd be great to uh, to see you back at Ewood Park along with maybe 20,000 other people as well. That would be fantastic. I think at least
0: 20,000. Yeah, very definitely. So. Thank no, you very no much. Rubber, no rubber chickens. Yes. yes. <laughs> Jillian, God bless.
2: This is the BRFCS podcast. Like all other podcasts, but on a budget.
5: Rovers are playing today.
1: Mm, Can you watch it?
5: Yeah, it's on iFollow.
1: Can anybody watch on iFollow?
5: Well, overseas supporters can watch all the games.
1: But I thought you said you couldn't watch Cup games.
5: Ah, that's right, I've forgotten about that. But I could watch Cup games on Sportsnet if I subscribed.
1: Didn't you used to have that?
5: Yeah, but when SportsNest lost the Premier League games, I cancelled the subscription. It's hardly worth $20 a month just for cup games. But I should be able to watch Carabao cup games and Papa John's trophy in the future, I think.
1: Carabao? Why would they name a cub after a language?
5: What do you mean a language?
1: Carabao is the language of an uncontacted indigenous group who live in voluntary isolation in the Colombian Amazon region.
5: <laughs> well, that's all very interesting. And as Michael Kane would say, not many people know that. But in this case, it's a sports drink from Thailand, not a flipping language.
1: Okay, clever clubs. But you can watch all the league games anyway.
5: Yeah, unless it's on Sky Sports in England.
1: Hmm, What's that got to do with it?
5: Well, I think it's something to do with those matches being broadcast abroad.
1: But they're not broadcast in Canada, so why can't you watch them on iFollow?
5: Well, that's a very good question, but I'm blown if I know the answer. I could listen to the audio commentary on iFall, but it's bad enough listening to the commentary when I have the match pictures. I couldn't stand just listening to it. Anyway, sometimes if it's on Sky in England, it will be on Daz, but not always. If we were in the States, I could watch it on ESPN though. Daz? Oh, sorry. I should say Dayzone.
1: Isn't that a hotel chain?
5: No, you're thinking of Days Inn. I said Dayzone, or maybe it's pronounced Dazone. Anyway, I always think it was stupid to name it after a washing powder.
1: But if it's on Sky and not on Daz, why can't you get it on iFollow?
5: Excellent question. Uh, I've no blooming idea.
1: Hmm. Can supporters in England watch iFollow?
5: Well, that depends. On what? Whether it's a home game or an away game.
1: Can you only watch home games then?
5: Depends.
1: How on then? What does it depend on?
5: Well, if you have a season ticket, you can get a season pass to watch all home games whilst fans are not allowed into games. But when they let fans in again, you'll have to go to the ground and watch. They will take away your season pass.
1: Hmm, What's the difference between a season ticket and a season
5: pass? Well, isn't that obvious? A season ticket is so you can go to games, but whilst you can't go to games, you can have a season pass. But only for home games that you'd be entitled to go to because of your season ticket. Hmm, I
1: think I get it.
5: Well, I'm glad you do, because I'm not sure I do.
1: What happens if you haven't got a season pass for iFollow?
5: Well, you can get a match pass for 10, for £10.
1: And can you get a season pass for away games as well?
5: Well, only if you're overseas.
1: So what if you want to watch an away game in England?
5: That's easy. You buy a match pass for £10, but... But what? If it's on Sky, you can't get it on iFollow.
1: Mm, seems like everything depends on Sky
5: it always does and here's another thing uh, no! now i'm not sure i have understand this correctly but if you have a season pass remember what i told you about season passes yes
1: i'm losing the will to live but go
5: on your season pass doesn't work if the game is on a day that the efl decides is a bank holiday even if it isn't a bank holiday but no problem you can still buy a match pass and claim a refund of your 10 pounds off your next season ticket
1: I'm not even going to ask why EFL has bank holidays on non-bank holidays. Thanks for the explanation, but I think we'd better stop now. Otherwise, you'll miss the game.
5: Oh no, that's no problem. It'll still be buffering, and it will start five minutes late. As long as I turn off the phone notifications and ignore Twitter, it will be like watching it live.
1: Well, enjoy, anyone.
5: Anyway. Oh, before you go, let me tell you about the games on Sky Red Button. Ah! <laughs> uh, we would like to add a disclaimer to this conversation. Facts given may be right, but may be wrong. Who the hell knows when it comes to broadcast rights? Address all inquiries to the EFL.
2: So just a few thank yous at the end of this episode. Thanks to Elliot Parkinson once again for telling us about Das the Craft. To Bill Arthur for doing the narration of Daniel Gray's excellent uh, extract from Extra Time, 50 Further Delights of Modern Football. Hopefully we'll get Daniel on a future episode of the podcast. Thanks, of course, to our special guest, Tim Farron, for reminiscing about his his, uh, political career and, of course, his uh, love of Blackburn Rovers. Thanks to the NYC Rovers and to Casanova Valentine. And last, but by no means least, to the Symmetry Band for all the music used in this episode. We'll see you soon. The Scumlord
5: of the Underground! The Charlemagne of Handsome, The Gilgamesh of girls, The King of King of Cool! The Hipster Heartthrob! Brooklyn Black Death, Casanova
0: Valentine is here. if you have me and the boys and girls of the NYC Rovers, we'd like to fully, fully endorse the BRFCS Blackburn Rovers as the number one rovers podcast in the world. And if you got a problem with that,
5: Casanova Valentine's gonna come to your house and and kick you right in the So <laughs> You got it. Watch yourself. Ha ha ha! BRFCS, the best Blackburn
3: podcast there is. Yeah!
2: This is the BRFCS
3: podcast. Cheers.
5: Sports Social
1: Podcast Network.
0: Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town.
2: My hands are full all day, every day. I love it.
0: Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100 accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert. Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com/guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. It's the 90th minute. All you mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go.